Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the fifth episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who, after a night out with Cavino and Rado, will wake up in a bath full of beer, although I can't guarantee it will be with all of his internal organs, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. And the lady who none of us trust or hate, Michelle Pierce-Denneman. Oh, Hi. Hi. The Cavino and Rado one had to happen, given that I've been talking to both of them today about how they should just drink around the world with Amazing Race fans. They're certainly capable of it. Rado keeps talking about doing it. All talk and no action with Michael Rado from 29? Well, I kind of want him to just get you really, really drunk. It'll be so funny. <laughs> it wouldn't be too tough to do. I, I, I tend to be a bit of a lightweight. Exactly why it will be entertaining. It would be good TV. <laughs> Why don't you drink more, Logan? <laughs> and of course, every time you refuse to drink, Kavino would call you a cocksucker. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he would. I love Rado and Kavino so much. <laughs> and we are back for what is sort of a grey area. Is it the midpoint? Is it not of the season? We're five weeks into the eight-week season, but we're exactly halfway through the legs now. Yay! Yeah. The rest of the season is going to go by so damn fast. They've never done mm. this before where they cram... They've never done this before where they cram six episodes into three weeks. In fact, we're recording this on Saturday, which means it's about 17 or 18 days, and the season is done. And the season hasn't even started in Canada yet. All right, CTV hasn't even started airing this season of Amazing Race. That's not just a Canada's backwards and really far behind type of joke. CTV is waiting, what, another five days, Michael, until they start airing this season five days a week? Something like that, yeah. I think it's it's five days a week, and then there's a couple of double episodes as well. So I think it starts next Sunday. Why do they do that? Because they're just burning it off because they've agreed to air it, I think. That's weird that they have spots. How would they suddenly have spots every day? I mean, I know here you've got your regular programs that are every day. You can't suddenly fit something in one week. Yeah, it's also the Winter Olympics though, isn't it? And any time Canada's not involved in a sport, we'll just put Amazing Race on as a stopgap. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm really not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I assume all the TV shows are just going to be put off the air for two weeks with no new episodes, and, and then it's going to be all Winter Olympic coverage on CTV along with uh, Amazing Race uh, 30 crammed in. Yeah, so you think that it's going to be quick for us airing, but the entirety of Canada still hasn't seen an episode of the season yet. Anybody who doesn't have CBS anyway. Yeah, apart from you. Yeah. <laughs> and Gordon Wayne, evidently. Yeah. So we're back for an episode about a city where I've been to. I don't think Logan has. I was close. I was actually pretty close geographically. Um, Zagreb was the closest I've been to Prague. Have you been to Prague, Michelle? I haven't. It's somewhere that I need to go, apparently. Um, Yeah, I've been hearing that for decades. It was a weird place. Because they don't seem to have any rules against begging in Prague. 
So you see a lot of people who were basically just professional beggars. Wow. Um, there were some of them where they trained their dogs to sort of lie on the ground and not move for eight hours a day, and they would just basically put their heads on the dogs and beg for money. Oh my gosh. Are, are there the gypsies? Are there many gypsies in Europe left? I'm not sure, but like you would see these people have a shift change basically where a new beggar would replace them because they were professional beggars. Oh my gosh. And the dog would just jump up and sort of start moving again. It was weird. It's quite big for stag dudes, is Prague. There are indeed gypsies still in Europe. I need yeah. I have encountered I encountered some while in Spain and Italy with some hilarious stories mixed in. <laughs> oh. That sounds like a tease, Logan. Oh, okay, very well. Um, I know in the Alhambra, there's lots of them. I don't think gypsy is even the correct term to use anymore. Romany, I think, is technically the term now. Yeah. Okay, so let's go with that. And I know in the Alhambra, they'll uh, uh, within Granada and Spain, they'll real they'll get really up close to you. I was even warned for like weeks beforehand by so many locals throughout Spain, saying, "Oh, be careful of the quote unquote gypsies in." and Granada, because they'll go really up close to you and either ask for money or they'll have flowers with them and try to get you to buy a flower. And if you and if you don't, then they get mad and get, again, get really up close and personal, and they'll be right outside the cathedrals in Granada. Um, that was the only place that I encountered them in Spain. And then in Italy, and actually when I stayed with my cousins in... Uh, San Giorgio Morgetto, uh, they were uh, at that train station, which w- it would have been a really small town, and then they were bothering us. And like the people, up, the cousins I stayed with don't speak uh, English at all, or well, a couple of them do, but only about a hundred words. So they pretended that they only spoke English and didn't understand, didn't understand Italian or the language that the Romani were speaking. But then they still, uh, they still kept. Uh, bothering us and then in the train station she even came into a train station tried to bother me and i just ignored her and then two guys from kenya ended up just giving her money and then she walked away you do see a lot of people like begging at restaurants and stuff in certain parts of europe and trying to sell the flowers and stuff yes in spain like they'll i've noticed they would come in like rounds of three where the one guy will come by he'll try to sell you a bunch of stuff and if you say no he'll go away for a few minutes and they're allowed to like go into the restaurant or just or a lot of the restaurants are outdoors too and they're allowed to just go amongst the tables and the waiters and waitresses will not kick them out they'll just let them have free reign unless they're really bothering you and then uh then they'll come back a second time try to offer more stuff and just leave it on your table and you're just left awkward with these awkward toys and knickknacks until they take it away again and then what they'll do is either in the third or fourth round, it'll be a completely different person who is much nicer trying to sell stuff. And then so I've noticed some of the tourists will end up buying it from the nicer person. It's one of the tactics that they use. And that's Logan's uh, lesson about traveling around Europe. Yes. Very <laughs> common in like the warmer climates with like Spain and Portugal and, and, and Lisbon. It was really common to see that. And... I didn't see it quite as much in Italy, but in Spain, all the cities I was in, it was always like that. So amazing race. Yeah, that was quite the opener for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the best thing about this, Logan, is the fact that you don't know yesterday's Sunday podcast had a cracking story from Michelle about her proposal. 
<laughs> oh well. And how she basically made a wallaby ricochet off a mountain. <laughs> what? It's the most Australian story ever created. You have to listen to the podcast. It's so good. I've got past that bit on the edit already, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is actually hilarious still. Yeah, you did laugh a bit. I know, it's so good. Because of the fact that that Joe and Dan passed the bridge where Dan proposed to his wife, I just turned around to Aunt and Michelle and went, have either of you got a good uh, proposal story? And Aunt said no. Michelle's like, maybe. And then just rattles <laughs> off this two-minute story, and I'm just sat there going, A, this is amazing. B, how the hell have I not found out about this in the past four years? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I have lots of weird little stories like that. Well, bring them to me. I love a story. <laughs> That's how I'm the weird person that I am. You know I love this sort of story, Michelle, and it stops me saying that you hate your children for at least a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, previously, seven teams raced to France, where Evan lost a tooth and Cedric and Sean sank after a double battle. Joey and Tim bit off more than they could chew, and Lucas finally proposed when him and Brittany won their first leg of the race. That's all Phil said, basically. Did they actually, you know, say that Joey and Tim left? Yeah, they said that Joey and Tim bit off more than they could chew. Okay. But I didn't... I I don't know. I must have looked down. I didn't see... A picture of them or anything. Hilarious pun. <laughs> and teams must now fly to Prague and find the Rudolph in them, where the double U-turn board awaits. Ooh. Spooky. This was the worst flight scramble in a Mason race history. Oh yeah, everyone booked their flights at the pit stop. So it's like, what's the point of giving them the clue where to say where they're going when they already know where they're going? <laughs> If they book that at the rest stop, or the rest period, then it's utterly pointless saying fly to Prague. Yeah. But they've got to do it for us. Yeah, but they could have it. They could have Phil do the introduction and saying teams are now going to fly to Prague, and they have to book it using this handy app, and then just not show anyone read the clue. Yeah. Yeah, there was Prague was essentially introduced twice during the episode. But on the plus side, we do get all the departure times. Yay! So, Lucas and Brittany left at 4.34, Christy and Jen left at 4.43, Eric and Daniel at 4.52, Henry and Evan at 4.58, Alex and Connor at 5, and Trevor and Chris at 5.43. Chris and Trevor really got lost on that last leg. Yeah, they did. And the thing is, is that it's it's like this leg didn't have the big equalizer. It's like one. It's like in the earlier seasons where it's, it was sort of in twos or threes in terms of, like your performance carrying over to the next leg. Because that's one of the complaints for this season is that it's like Amazing Race Canada where the start of each leg, everyone's just bunched together again. At least with this, the start of this leg, even though there was no real flight scramble, you were still grouped in based on how you performed in the past two legs. Or in the past leg, I guess. Yeah. And let's be honest, the next leg is basically going to be rendered null and void by the fact that they're doing a partner swap. Is the partner swap happening in the very next leg? I think it's in between the next two. That's how I understand it, at least. Like, it'll be at a rest period where Phil just shows up saying, oh, you're you're going to switch partners for the second half of this round? Like, it'll be an equalizer when Phil shows up? Well, I think it's going to be leg seven is a non-elimination. Everyone's going to get 
brought together and say, right, you're swapping partners. So, well, they actually eliminate a team that's composes of people from two different teams then. Probably not. It'll probably just be for like a task or two then. Well, it is for the for an entire leg, definitely. But I've seen a theory that it what they're going to do is take the times after the first leg and then have whoever comes last in the second leg, the person whose team did worse in the previous leg is eliminated. Really? Yeah. That's the theory that someone had on the internet. With the American version, the twists are usually very simplified. They try to make it really straightforward compared to the other versions. Like, for instance, the head-to-head is a very simplified version of what we see in terms of the double battle or face-off and whatnot. But here, that's a really complicated way to conduct a twist and eliminate a team for uh, Mason Race US standards. Well, they've confirmed that it's going to be for an entire leg, so... I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work otherwise. Yeah. Because they won't eliminate a, a hybrid team of any description, I would say. What's funny is that the twist is going to be so controversial that Phil has to prepare, has to like warn teams in advance that this twist is coming, saying, all right, guys, you know what you've gone through with the head-to-head and these six legs, so you never know what's coming next, as if it's like a disclaimer in case the teams get upset just like they were with the head-to-head twist throughout the season. But at least on the plus side, you can watch that and go, oh my god, the funniest complaints is going to be the best thing I've ever done. Yes, it will be, I'm sure. I'm sure by the end of next week, it's going to be taken to a whole new level. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous for you with the funniest complaints, I suspect. (laughs) So at least someone's happy with it. Yes. And it is Lucas and Brittany, Henry and Evan, Eric and Daniel and Christian Jen on the first flight. And then Alex and Connor and Trevor and Chris on the second flight. And frankly, U-turn intrigue sucks. We've said it before, we'll say it again, the U-turn is boring as all hell. When it's set up the way that it is this time, where it's before you even complete any of the de- the detour at all, and it's right as soon as you land, yeah, yeah. it's not. it was kind of, it was very, very straightforward this time. Yeah, I think you can't really have a U-turn as soon as you land, because that is pointless. You do actually have to have a task in the middle. Yeah, it's not very exciting. And Christy and Jen, Lucas and Brittany, Eric and Daniel and Henry and Evan all decide not to U-turn. And, of course, because it's a U-turn, it's a detour, which, just to add insult to injury, is a blind detour. Which is this or that. (laughs) I actually love that, because they just go off, run off, not knowing what's coming up. I like it. When it's done properly, like with the um, the Southern France leg of 26, where, yeah, it's done by a roulette wheel, but at least there's hints of what it's going to be when it's win by a nose or don't slack off. Whereas when it's just this or that, like, no one's going to care. It debuted in season 25 with the Malta leg, right? Yeah, but the, the best version of it was the 26 one. Yeah, because they incorporated the whole Monaco lifestyle into determining the detour. Yeah. I should note that this is advantageous for the team that gets U-turned because they have to do both tasks anyway rather than the other teams who are, who will potentially switch back and forth between the two tasks. For Chris and Trevor, they didn't have to worry about switching whatsoever. No, but at least we found out that with blind detours, teams can switch now because that was always a bit of a question mark about whether in a blind detour they were actually allowed to switch. Right. You know what would be hilarious, though? The next time they do this twist, 
which would increase the U-turn team's chances even more, is if for the blind detour, if one task wasn't fun at all, like say it's the oral exam task, and then teams say, oh, we want to switch, and then the other side of the detour turns out to be an identical task. <laughs> That's a nightmare. You could have a detour that was flat all round, and have it take place in two different lecture halls. You've got to answer a quiz on the flat earth debate and uh, a, a quiz on the round earth debate. And the flat earth debate could be headed up by uh, B.O.B. Yeah, seeing as though he literally commissioned airplanes to work out whether the earth was round or not. Have you seen all of his flat earth arguments? He took a picture of train tracks and be like, this is my proof. Look how straight and... <laughs> Look how straight and flat this, these train tracks are. That was his, his evidence. Seriously, though, if someone in the year 2006 or whatever it was that B.O.B. was popular had written a joke saying B.O.B.'s going to uh, commission airplanes to see whether the Earth is round or not, you would get laughed out because nobody would believe it. Ever. You just couldn't write it. That's the problem. You genuinely could not write how stupid he's being. And then the fact that he sampled audio from Neil deGrasse Tyson's lectures to mock him for thinking the Earth was round. I think the song was called Flatline, I believe. (laughs) And the most alarming thing about this is the fact that someone on Reddit was actually arguing that the the Earth is flat, still. I think that was a troll. Really? No, it must be a troll. It's not normal. It's either a troll or someone living in the 16th century. So I looked at their other posts... And I don't get the impression that they think the Earth is flat. Or at least I certainly hope not. Because even a certain like super-duper religious part of the amazing race community, some of those people believe the Earth is round. All, all of them that I've seen uh, respond to that. And which detail would you have chosen? I would have, I would have gone to this... Before I knew what it was, I just liked the word this better than that. <laughs> but if I knew what they were, definitely the kegs. Kidding me? Jesus, I can't remember that much information. Although I did remember the 3,371,000. That was something when they were reading it out. I was thinking, I've got to remember that number, and I don't know why. But there was so much information. No wonder. Who was it? that said that it finished and he went, oh my God. It was Lucas, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm with you. <laughs> Lucas and Brittany's facial expressions in the lecture hall was was hilarious. Because <laughs> their brains were imploding. I think their brains were drowning and that they needed lifeguards themselves to like <laughs> breathe air back into their brain cells. I think this adheres to our detail rules of always fit the manual labour task because it tends to be a lot easier. However, they had an equal amount of trouble with the beer task too. Because they spent like an hour and a half searching with their keg. They did, but at least it was their own fault rather than just not being able to retain information. Yeah. Yeah, they could have been in that exam a lot longer. So, in this... Teams must restack some kegs, tap one, and then deliver a keg to find a party boat where they'll get their next clue. And in that, teams must listen to a lecture on Copernicus theory about whether the Earth is flat or not, and then answer an eight-question quiz to get their next clue. So would teams have failed if they said the Earth was flat at the end? I'm not sure, because 
surely some people are stupid enough to think that the Earth is flat. I mean, they have the, they have the research there. They were just presented it. I mean, Henry and Evan are professional debaters. They may have been able to get away with it. Maybe it's a uh, whodunit finale uh, situation where you just have to actually back up your answer with facts. It doesn't matter what your last answer is as long as you actually back it up with proof. That is true. And I'm very proud that I finally got a whodunit reference back in. Yeah, it's been a while since we've referenced whodunit. I love whodunit so much. It's the best. (laughs) And Lucas and Brittany say that they are solid C students, so are slightly overwhelmed by that. It was a terrible pun. And Christy says that she loves beer and football. Yeah. And then they completely ignore the perfect pipe sign. I know, why? Why? What's wrong with them? Why didn't they see it? Like, I I know at least one person here has experience of how to pull the perfect pint, because I watched Logan do it at the Guinness Storehouse. Yes, I am a natural at it. He was waiting for me to mention this. I can do it too. (laughs) Growing up in pubs, easy. Yeah, Logan actually got taught at the Guinness Storehouse, though. Which, to be fair, was a pretty cool experience. (laughs) It was like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The Family Guy version. I really haven't seen Logan much happier. There was one place where I saw him much happier, which is when he was at Platform 9 and 3 quarters. (laughs) I'd like to go there too. Logan's facial reaction when I took that picture made everyone in St. Pancras look at me because I was cackling so loudly. It was so good. It was was so funny. (laughs) And Lucas and Brittany have so much trouble at the lectures that they then switch, breaking the Michelle Pierce Danovan rules. I know, but really they chose the wrong one there, so I give them a little bit of slack. And Christy and Jen's pint is rejected, and Henry apparently missed beer by not joining a fraternity. (laughs) Yeah, he missed out on all that fun. I'm sure he's so disappointed. Rather than, you know, being a a world-class debater, he instead missed out on beer. Yeah, it's like, damn it! What, What am I doing with my life? And I must point out... That Jen, like, you you know that funding for, or the ability to make money in women's sports is, it's not the most uh, fruitful way to make a living when Jen said that she had to work in a brewery and be a professional athlete at the same time. Okay, it's a flexible enough job for her to do it. That's like in Australia. All our Olympic athletes have to have jobs. They don't get enough money. Yeah. Whereas I think all our funding is directed into just a couple of sports that we're good at. Cycling? Cycling is one of them, yes. <laughs> I can't remember whether I drove you past the velodrome, but it's very close to where I work now. The velodrome that they built for the um, 2002 Commonwealth Games, which I've actually ridden on, and it was one of the scariest things I've ever done. Oh, that's the indoor track? Yeah, that's the indoor track. The one where the walls are like 48 degrees, I think it is, the shallowest. Yes. It oh is absolutely crap yourself scary. <laughs> did you get all the way around? Oh yeah, because I did. It was terrifying, but it was great fun to do. I'd, I'd definitely recommend, if you can ride a bike, have a go at it, because it's so it's really good fun, and you go very quickly, but it really is very scary. Mm. And Eric and Daniel prove that they probably picked the wrong detour as well when they get question one wrong. Then it takes seven more t- attempts than Chris and Trevor. Like, if Chris and Trevor were on that first flight, they win this leg by quite a ways, because even guessed on the roadblock what one of the, what the missing word had to be. Yeah, I'd say Trevor and Chris were very unlucky to get U-turned. 
if they'd have just been a little bit luckier in France, they would have won this leg and they probably would have been a good chance to win the season mm. with the performance they had this leg. I mean, pretty much being fastest at every task reminds me of a particular team in the Amazing Race ORG, but still getting eliminated on the leg. Yeah, well, me and you absolutely destroyed that leg, and that blunder with our flight still made us be eliminated. Yeah, I think I think we won the overall leg by about half an hour, and then the flight just screwed us. Yes. Whereas Michelle nearly went out in the Amazing Race ORG this week. Oh, it's coming up in every podcast, is it? Oh, Michelle, it is. Until you prove me wrong and win <laughs> yeah. another leg, I'm going to keep mentioning it because it made me laugh. Oh my god, we didn't win any leg in our first season. Even we won legs and we went out in fifth. Well, you, you know what? We got second. So it doesn't matter that you got fifth and won it lots of legs. We won two legs and should have won more. Should have, could have, didn't. I love how your immediate argument is to just go defensive and go, well, yeah, we got second overall. It's like you still lost. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We got further up there. You still won as much as we did. No, I got more money. They get more money in the real thing, don't they? They do, but we didn't get any money for it. Not not <laughs> <No>. by much. <laughs> Only first place gets anything. Uh, Isn't it about 50k the second place get? No, yeah, it's not 25k. It's 25 Yep, because Justin at the 27 finale said that first place to second place, it's 40 times the difference. <laughs> 25k for second, and I believe 10k for third? 10k is about 12th place in uh, in Survivor, I think. That's what I was saying. What what um What is second in Survivor? Second's 100 grand in, in Survivor, yeah. Third is 80, and then fourth 65. I, I don't know how I know those four off the top of my head, but I do. And in Amazing Race Canada, only the winner gets money, and then second to last, all get absolutely nothing. Mm, brutal. And the beer judge says that he needs two fingers, which, let's be honest, if Ben was joining us, I would have factored that into his intro. This is sort of yeah. thing that I find incredibly immaturely funny. I wrote, I wrote that too, saying, what, you need two fingers with the phone? Oh, wait, we're talking about beer. <laughs> Oh, dear God, why? <laughs> Jesus. Okay, and Lucas said, he said he had... No, I'm not letting you talk. What I wanted to say was that Lucas, when he was doing his beer, he held it up to the camera and he said, I feel like I have too much foam. And the whole thing was foam. How do you make a whole thing of foam? There was no beer in there at all. I'm pretty sure that no one in America is taught how to pour a pint properly. Not compared to, like, the pub culture of the UK and Australia. And the Czech Republic. Well, the Czech Republic, there's less pubs, more bars. Czech Republic is very beer-heavy, but not in the same way that the UK and Australia are with, like, the little country pubs. I just don't know how you'd make a glass of foam. Like, if someone's that was part of the challenge, make a glass of foam, I don't think I could. It's quite an impressive skill to do it entirely in foam. <laughs> that should have been like the challenge for the save or something like that in season 26. Pour yourself a glass of foam and you get the save. Unless they didn't tap it properly. Because if they didn't tap it properly, it wouldn't have got much liquid. It would have just got foam, surely. And one of the questions in the quiz detour is a mole-style morality test of 
what was the name of the second lecturer? The early seasons of the mole were very well known for having people take like a tour and knowing they have to answer questions at the end to win money. Ha- having them take a tour around a museum and the question at the end was always, what was the name of your tour guide? <laughs> and surprisingly people were very bad at answering that question. Manuel? <laughs> Juan? Juan? What was that? And Eric and Daniel's families get mentioned, so they're getting eliminated soon. Yep. Anytime you get a backstory, it's just like, you're off. Same reason that when Trevor and Chris got to the U-turn board and they were like, oh, it's one of our favourite composers in a statue form right above the U-turn board. It's like, bye guys. I'm surprised that Alex and Connor didn't use their U-turn. Who would you think they would use it on? Just one of the two teams. I'm just surprised that when... There's a really good, there's a really high probability that one of those three teams is going to be eliminated. That when you're the first of the three to get to the U-turn board, that you should probably use it in a situation when you know everyone else is a minimum of an hour ahead of you. Maybe they want to be seen as the good guys, though. I'm not cheating to use the U-turns. I guess if they know another U-turn is coming, to just take the gamble and just try to survive the leg. Yeah. If I were them, I would probably want to be seen as the good guys and definitely not want to use it myself. I would try and strongly encourage other people to use it, as long as it wasn't on me. I wonder if it was discussed on the flight then. Perhaps. The the second flight, anyway. I'm sure the first flight, all the people are like, well, there's no real point to any of us using it. Unless there's a team in the bottom three that we really want to go home. And also, there's the fact that if anyone U-turned a particular team, they probably know that they will be getting death threats as soon as it airs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that God, is yeah. also a very good point. It's very uh, it's very Amazing Race 28 type uh, environment that way. Where it's like, certain teams, if you U-turn them, you know it's not going to be the greatest social, exper- social media experience for you when you get home. You might as well just delete your Twitter and Facebook accounts now. <laughs> or just create fake account under the team of who you uh, of who you U-turned. That would be, that'd be not a bad strategy. And um, Alex and Connor do choose not to use the U-turn, and we see a lot of people filming around there because, as I mentioned last week, this U-turn board was spoiled on social media, and there were a lot of people taking pictures. Yeah, it was, even in the episode you see people taking pictures <laughs> when teams are getting to the U-turn board. Very public. Not even subtle at all. And, yeah, Trevor and Chris do get U-turned. Yay. And by that point, it's pretty much a game over situation. It would take a hell of an effort to catch up, especially with how long that the exam task had to take anyway. Yeah, because those lectures were probably about ten minutes each, I would guess. But could they leave as soon as they heard their information? They could leave and they didn't have to listen to it all. Yeah, but at least in... In the first instance, you're going to be wanting to stick around for both lectures straight away. And then, of course, a certain team got really confused with that side of the detour by entering a random lecture hall that was all in check. Oh, my Lord. Surely there's an amazing race flag somewhere. I wish they would have just sat in the classroom and and just wait for the lecture to start. That would have been hilarious. Maybe that would have got them eliminated. That would have been wonderful. <laughs> if they were beaten by a bunch of rules. <laughs> and uh, Trevor and Chris don't get frazzled about it at all and back to Connor being an absolutely livable dope when he says oh beer yes 
He's just so happy that there's beer involved. He doesn't care about anything else. He just wants beer. He is so <laughs> much the stereotype of the random roommate that you find crashing on your couch for like months at a time. He is a great, great bit of casting. <laughs> and I don't buy into Alex being just a big in, uh, endorser of water and orange juice. Something tells me that neither does Connor, which makes it even funnier. <laughs> and Eric and Daniel are the first to leave that, and team must now find a beer spa to get their next clue, which may be hiding in one of the beer spas. It's like continuing the Amazing Race 19 tradition of not having uh, clues in a clue box. It's just taken to a whole new level. Yes! See, if this were Israeli Amazing Race, they would have made them search the beer spas for the next clue with the patrons in there just for funsies. That would have been good. That would be what I would do. And I'm deliberately not naming it because Jordan keeps criticising me every time I name it incorrectly. Sorry, I mean, if... if, um, No, I can't mention names. He who shall not be named... If he thought it was disgusting, just the whole idea of the beer spa, imagine him with his hand down there trying to find a clue. That's what I mean. Maybe he would have actually shown some emotion. Fish it out. Fish it out, Liz. (laughs) Oh, I can make an inappropriate joke here, but I'm not going to. Do it. I was just saying, I really hope there's no foam in the bath. (laughs) Why did they stand up for, you know, Team Extreme and they didn't stand up for anyone else really? As soon as the girls walked through the door, they were standing up. Because they were they were respecting the fact that it was an all-female team and they didn't want them to think that they were naked down there. God. They're the only all-female team. I think they should want to show off their hot bods. <laughs> it's been a bad week for naked middle-aged men. What with Bob in his pants on Hunted as well. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> we talked quite a length actually yesterday about uh, <laughs> about Bob in his pants. That was the worst shot I've ever seen on a TV show. Oh, it wasn't that bad. It was just that cut where it's like normality. Holy shit, Bob is just in his underwear. <laughs> it's just how they did it. It made me laugh. And. Um, yeah, Christian Jen leave this in second with Henry and Evan in third, but it's Christian Jen who leave the spa in first with Eric and Daniel in second. Henry and Evan have quite a bit of conflict uh, throughout this uh, brew detour. We learn very much that Evan makes the decisions for the team. Mm. Dare I say she's the stronger debater. Well, uh, she talks a lot more than him anyway. In the whole race, she's talked a lot more. Yeah, like, Henry's just outright says, like, I'm just going to follow whatever you say. Like, I'll suggest something, but I'm never going to want my way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, taking the metro versus taking the taxi seemed like a bit of a mistake to make. Yeah, but I mean, those, those random guys said that was the best way to go. They looked like they were half drunk. It depends, though, because if I would not necessarily take a taxi in a busy city because the metro is going to be a little bit quicker in some capacities. Like in in Hong Kong, for example, which is very busy, I would probably take the the MTR. Yeah, in Hong Kong, where like plus the taxi rides there, I assume would be very expensive since Hong Kong has the highest gas prices of anywhere in the world. Yeah, and the Hong Kong metro is one of the cheapest in the world. 
It is dirt cheap and very quick from experience. We never saw Christie's bruises from the kegs. We didn't. It was uh, it, it was a good bit of manual labour for them, though, wasn't it? I bet they were happy that they came across a task where they could literally just brute force it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely one of their strengths. And did you notice that when Eric and Daniel picked up the clue, there was the wrong caption? No. Yeah, Henry and Evan's name came up. Oh. That's just that plays into the whole joke of just Eric and Daniel being invisible this whole season. That they can't even get their caption right. <laughs> it's like those are the twins, Henry and Evan. They're just so purple that actually we'll put the, the names of the probable winners on there instead. What is this? The mall we're suddenly having secret hints as to who wins the season now? Quite possibly, although I'm evidently doing terribly on Vidim this season, given that my main suspect went out last week. Oh, really? Yes, I'm still furious. <laughs> that was that person I suspected the least. Whereas my new mole is the person who I previously suspected the least. Mm. Mm. I was sat there and about halfway through the episode last week I was just going, oh no, he's going, isn't he? Oh, for God's sake, why? Because <laughs> I hate losing... <laughs> and Henry and Evan actually do leave it in third. And Trevor and Chris get so close to completing this in one go, but fail very near the end. Sad. And once teams get to the abandoned warehouse that is after the beer spell, that I'm not even going to try and pronounce, it's a roadblock, which is who is a globetrotter? And in this switchback, one team member must enter the warehouse that is full of ringing phones and listen to eight of them, which have a word unscramble the phrase, fill in the long, ridiculous form, and exchange it with the the weird guys for the next clue. Was it the same guys as last time? I don't think so. I think the guy with the stamps was a lot older last time. It was the same warehouse, definitely, because those stairs were there, where they waited out the penalty. I think that was just like the Amazing Race Prague Kafka warehouse. I haven't had time to go back and actually double-check that it is definitely the same warehouse, but I'm pretty sure it is. Did you guys know that the party boat for the detour task was actually communist? I did not. Because it was named Fidelio. Right. Good point. Okay. Yeah. I know everyone on there looked like they were drinking apple juice. Yeah, they were actually drinking rum and smoking uh, cigars. <laughs> True story. And uh, the task is done entirely from memory, just to make things a little bit more fun, because we're making it a bit harder from the Zanar scandal. Just to humiliate Big Easy that much more. Or sorry, Nate. Nate. Yeah, he's not Big Easy when he fails so much. I didn't even know his real name. I just always call him Big Easy. <laughs> it's my birthday! And it's uh, Jen, Daniel, Evan, Alex, Brittany and Trevor doing this roadblock. This roadblock wasn't actually that interesting to watch this time. No, it really wasn't, because it was done in the daytime as well. It was less atmospheric. That's it's true, too. That's a good point. They didn't put the lights on in there at all. It looked so dusty, and it looked like it would give me some sort of vicious hay fever while I was walking around. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If Amazing Race Australia ever came back, I would love to see it where you're just trying to do a roadblock, but distracting yourself by sneezing all the time. Oh, my God. It would be so funny. <sighs> no, it wouldn't. It would. Give me the antihistamine. <laughs> and Connor does drink the beer on the way out from the second bit of the three-part uh, detour 
And Lucas and Brittany leave that in fourth with Alex and Connor in fifth. I like the map. The you know, the map that they showed on screen to show where teams were in contrast to the brewery. Oh uh, yeah, I like that too. And Daniel and Evan team up at the roadblock. Jen gets a rejection, but then she leaves in first. I didn't even know which twin was doing the roadblock until Evan said Dan's name. I was I just left it blank. I just said Evan and a twin team up for this roadblock and just waited until a subtitle came up on screen or someone said a name. And luckily, Evan told us who did the roadblock. Otherwise, I would have had no fucking clue. I knew because, as I previously mentioned, Daniel has a completely shaved head. So it makes it much easier to tell them apart, if nothing else. And as we know, Eric just has a full head of hair to really emphasize emphasize this difference. <laughs> And teams must now find Latensky Park, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in may be eliminated. And it's Eric and Daniel who leave second with Henry and Evan in third. Gives me some hope when he uses the word may. If the team that's, you know, losing, I really like. But then they go out anyway. I hate it when Phil does that. Well, the elimination structure of this season is weird. Because, let's be honest, we have to now have a non-elimination in both of the next two weeks' pairs of episodes. Mm. So it has to be either leg 7 or 8 and either leg 9 or 10. It's just weird that we've got into this situation where we've still got two non-elimination legs left and three weeks of episodes. Well, there isn't anything normal, but I felt like it should have been this one. I think it should as well, because it would have set up a lot of drama, which is great. It's exactly what we want. And in a result that shocks nobody, Christy and Jen check in first, and they win maybe the worst prize Amazing Race has ever given away, apart from Double Express Pass. I know! I'm sorry, what the hell? They win a trip to exotic Perth, and before Phil even confirms that it's Australia, both of them are pretty terrible choices. Like, a trip to Perth, Scotland would be bad enough, but a trip to Perth, which is one of the cities that is furthest away from any civilization ever in the world. Yes. It's pretty bad as well. And it's very quiet there. Yeah, they get a trip out to the island, but seriously. Oh my god, why not Sydney or Melbourne? It's the arse end of nowhere. It's not that bad, but... It's about 750 kilometres from any civilised city, if not more. Yeah. Poor loves. And they celebrate having six legs in the top three. Which is pretty impressive. Go girls, go girls. And Phil tells them in a phrase that is going to make my skin crawl having to say it, to expect the unexpected. Get ready for a takeover. Phil is just thinking back to those wonderful times when he got to introduce Jeff and Jackie to everyone on live cameras and hope and pray that they did not recreate their elimination station and actions on live cameras. Jesus. You can imagine Phil going into picture and CBS are like, and which Amazing Race team would you realistically like to bring over? And he's like, well, there's a wild card choice that they're called Jeff and Jackie. I'm not. I think they would be good TV, but there's there is the risk of them recreating some of their antics on the race. I'd put an asterisk next to them just in case. They're they're probably going to be around and they'll be willing to do it. Let's be honest, but let's just hope they don't do that on camera again. I'm surprised when Phil talked about the roadblock, when he said it was a cacophony in the room, they didn't say cacophony. If it was Alan Wu, he would. Yes. Maybe Wu rang him up and just said, you are not allowed to use my puns, bitch. 
Did he ring him up on one of the phones in the room? Yeah, a- Alan Wu gangster. Alan Wu provided all the words. Wife or life? I don't know. Also, those phones are not light at all. They're Bakelite phones, as far as I'm aware, and in our version of Deal or No Deal, the host actually had to um, had to seek medical attention because he kept picking up the phone in a particular way and got RSI from it. Wow. You know what they should have done with the phones is pull, like, a Jim Halpert prank from the office and load some of the phones with lots of nickels in them and then have other phones that had no nickels with them so that when teams suddenly left the phones with no nickels that they would bash themselves in the heads with the phone. And Eric and Daniel check in in second with Henry and Evan in third. Literally nothing changes from the robot, let's be honest. There was one change. Not in the top three, but in the rest of the standings. And Brittany says about a racer who we shall not name, Do I hate her? No. Do I trust her? Hell no. Yeah, that was a pretty pointless thing to do to piss off the other teams. Yeah, you wouldn't do it. It's not worth it. Let's be honest, after a leg where you already U-turn, probably a reasonably popular team between the other racers, to then piss off another two teams who, even if a miracle happened and Trevor and Chris survived, you would still then have two teams angry at you. Halfway into the race, where... There has only ever been one season in the past that has only had one U-turn, so you're going to have another U-turn coming up at some point soon. That is a really, really stupid move. And with lots of opportunities where other teams are going to be working together on a task, I'm just completely shocked that a team like that would make some sort of big mistake socially barely halfway into their season. That's never, they've never done that before. Not like ten weeks earlier. It's almost like history repeating itself. It's quite impressive how the timeframes are lining up for this, by the way, for us to make these jokes. <laughs> yes. And uh, Alex and Connor check in in fourth, with Lucas and Brittany in fifth, and Phil just keeps teasing, expect the unexpected, there are more surprises to come in the last half of this race, to everyone. I like with when Brittany was playing with the phones during the roadblock, as if she was like gossiping in high school or something like that. Yeah, she did say, I feel like I'm back in high school. And I'm like, well, did you work on the end of a phone line in high school? And how did you pay to get through high school? I wish the theme song from Dream Phone played. <laughs> what they should have done is instead of having words from the phrases on all the wrong phones, they should have just had annoying music playing. <laughs> like teeny bopper music? <laughs> no, like a polka. They should have had uh, like kids bop versions of popular music. <laughs> Oh, the chipmunks. The kids' pop version of Despacito should have been Blake. And I don't know whether that exists, but I think it's an incredibly inappropriate song for kids' pop to be singing if it does exist, and therefore I want them to have sung it. Pasito, Pasito, Suave, Suavecito. Nova, Nova, Gando, Paquito, Paquito. <laughs> Little message for Lucas and Brittany there. Um, and that does then mean that Trevor and Chris are last to reach the mat and are eliminated from the race. Maybe expecting the unexpected refers to Chris and Trevor being brought back three rounds from now. They get the revival pass. Yes. Phil said, I warned you, anything could happen. I don't know why you're so surprised and angry right now, because I told you to expect the unexpected guys. By the way, there's no spot the next uh, first place finish. Yeah, Phil's broken his three-week streak of saying the word spa. I know. He loves saying the word. 
I wish he would just stick his tongue out once when he said it, like, just really over-exaggerate it. Ah. Like the WhatsApp commercial. The goat. Like the goats. Yeah, but he wouldn't be able to do it like a goat, because if he did, April and Sarah would want to use him to do yoga. <laughs> so next time, teams head to Zimbabwe, there's emotions, another double U-turn, and... The, in the biggest twist in Amazing Race history, team swap partners. Dun, dun, dun. I don't understand. I don't understand how that is going to work. I think regardless of how it works, it's going to be some sort of letdown. Is it the biggest twist in Amazing Race history? What would you say is bigger? I think I think the revival pass in Chinese celebrity Amazing Race would probably have to be number one. You mean even bigger than... Oh my god, in Amazing Race 10, we're going westward. Yes, we're going across the Pacific rather than the Atlantic on within the first few legs. Crazy, what what are they going to do next? I do remember how that was hyped up and literally no one cared. You haven't had a westward season in a while. 26? 26 was was westward, yeah. Yeah. In contrast to Amazing Race Canada, which was no word. So, who do you think is going next week? Because let's be honest, there's going to be at least one non-elimination next week. Mm, could it be two? Do you think they'd put them both? I mean, it is double episode. It is, but then we would have to see four teams race in the last four episodes, which means two non-eliminations back-to-back. I think Eric and Daniel. I also think Eric and Daniel. Interesting. I know who goes next, so I'm not saying it. Or Alison Connor. But mm, I still put Eric and Daniel top. I can't believe we're go- it's, they're doing. We're getting full on Zimbabwe for the next for these two episodes. I know this was the country where everyone was like, "They're going to Zimbabwe." What? I was thinking of just the other uh, African countries that have yet to be visited on the Amazing Race, and there's a few that are more stable in the general population, or or even in specific cities, than the ones in Zimbabwe, like. Okay, Verity would be a lot more stable. Gabon would be a lot more stable. I would love to see a Gabonese like. As would I. I thought we were going to see it with when Survivor was there, but like Gabon looked so beautiful. They could have a proper safari like it'd be awesome. Surfing hippos. Seeing the elephant dung. There could be a clue popping out of the elephant dung in Jillian's honor. Like, what, what do you guys think is going to be the next African country to debut on The Amazing Race? Well, Canada keeps hinting at Congo being one of them. Isn't that dangerous there still? Yes, but they're constantly having Congolese races. I think it would be Republic of the Congo before Democratic Republic of the Congo, because as far as I know, there's not as many resources in Republic of the Congo, so there's not as much exploitation, violence over the Blood Diamonds, plus Brazzaville is a relatively stable uh, capital within Africa, in contrast to uh, Kinshasa. I'd like to say that I would, I'm surprised that you know the capitals of both Congos off the top of your head, but I'm really not. Yeah, you know, like Kinshasa, though, even though it has like more metropolitan, a lot more um, infrastructure there, I think Brazzaville as a whole is definitely uh, more stable. It also used to be communist, unlike uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo. I think they'll stay away from the, the communist countries for a little while, at least in terms of doing communist-themed likes. After 22. <laughs> yeah, like, they wouldn't do that in Republic of the Congo. I don't think they're they're not communists anymore. They just used to be. And I'm thinking, like, Gabon would probably most likely be next. Maybe Republic of the Congo. And Rwanda. I'm surprised Rwanda hasn't been visited yet. Because that, that country is actually really stable and is 
uh, fairly big economically in contrast to the other countries that haven't been visited on the amazing race yet. Yeah. Any um, partner pairings you want to see next week? Other than Uh, the Instagram models from season 28? Other than them, yes. (laughs) Uh, Maybe Evan with Connor. I think that would be an interesting dichotomy. Yes, or even anyone with Connor. Christy or Jen with Connor, because I think Christy and Jen may get very frustrated. You just need someone who is quite highly strung with Connor, I think. As opposed to well-strung? R.I.P. (laughs) well-strung. Obviously, I'm disappointed Trevor and Chris have gone, given that their bio was amazing pre-season. We didn't see enough of them, which is annoying. But what we did see of them was very entertaining. They really only got airtime in the previous episode in round five. And that was really, they got more airtime in that than in the other five episodes combined. So that was kind of disappointing to see. Even in this episode, it was just background information about them, but nothing. It wasn't like the sassiness and the uh, just the comedic storylines that were going on the first few rounds. This was a very serious take on Chris and Trevor this leg, which was kind of sad to see. Yeah, they were very fun for what we saw of them, is what I would say. So is there anything else to say about this leg? Uh, the U-turn placement sucked. The flight, the way they did the fight scramble pretty much sucked. Um, I hate that 20 seconds of an incident ended up taking 99.999% of the discussion on social media about this leg and that the rest of the leg was, wasn't really acknowledged by most fans. And... We realized that the switchback... It was kind of weird to see a switchback to the first season with a switchback. Switchbackception. Yeah, it really was. Season 15 had the, had the hay bale switchback in uh, Sweden. So that's how long the Amazing Race has been on for. Yeah. That is in the first half of Amazing Race seasons now. Crazy. And I kind of wish that we'd seen Amazing Race US go a little bit more hammerots with the spa. Or spammerots. And this episode didn't really... I know, like, with Prague, it's always, like, beer task after beer task in all the franchises, because Amazing Race Asia and Australia both did beer tasks as well. And then, of course, with Amazing Race 15, they had the absinthe speed bump for Brian and Erica. But God, uh, said that long ago. Wow. It's amazing. So... Thank you for listening to this uh, URT Number podcast. You can join us next week to begin our double episodes and recap legs seven and eight. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, Log Super Quacky for Logan, and Bear three 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 for Michelle. See you next week. Bye. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Yeah, yeah.